For all of Gabriel's show dates and ticket links go to gabrielrutledge.com. Or don't. If you would like to support this podcast by subscribing for $5 a month, click the Substack link in the episode notes. You won't get any extra episodes, but Gabriel will think warm thoughts about you. And now it's time for the drive home with Gabriel Rutledge. Play the royalty-free hip-hop music. Now here's your host, Gabriel. I'm a couple hours in uh, to my eight and a half hour drive home today. Just went through the redwood forests in California. Bringing some firewood home. Saw that uh, Paul Bunyan and Babe the Blue Ox iconic Northern California Highway 101. I saluted Babe the Blue Ox's balls as I went by. God bless, babe. I had chosen uh, Eureka, Eureka, California. Uh, Savage Henry Comedy Club. It was fun. It was. Uh, it looks like a place uh, my band would have played in the '90s. It was a uh, you know, it's punk rock a little bit. Punk rock enough. They're like, at first they were like, you can sleep here, but there's no shower, or you can sleep in my house. And I was like, ah, okay. And then uh, they're like, good news, the Airbnb slash condo opened up so you can stay there. Uh, Thank God. I mean, 49 years old. I mean, young. 49 years young, ladies and gentlemen. I don't want, one, to sleep at a place without a shower. Two, I don't want to sleep at your place. I don't... (laughs) I got a roommate and two dogs. It's pretty chill. No. No, no, no. So the Airbnb was fine. It was like... Eureka is so stony. It is so soaked in weed culture that the Airbnb, when I when I checked in uh, with the lady, she's like, do you smoke weed? Uh, and I said, not very often. And first of all, she gave me a look like, I don't know. There's a real dork in town. Doesn't smoke weed. But uh, on the... uh, There was like a big jar of weed and a couple joints, a bunch of glass bongs on the table. Just in the Airbnb. Like, welcome. Enjoy. I didn't. Also... I thought it was kind of funny she said, uh, no smoking cigarettes. Well, what's the fucking difference?
one you can pretend it has health benefits and one you know it doesn't. I smoked no marijuana. I did in the in the refrigerator. There was a zero carb, some sort of Budweiser zero carb beer. Almost as if they knew I was coming. They tasted weird though. Four percent alcohol, uh, zero carb Bud Lights. Uh, you know, I drank them, but I also got diarrhea. Coincidence? I don't think so. That's another vote for marijuana. No one's ever been like, oh my god. I smoked so much weed last night. I've been on the toilet all morning. Actually, that's not true. Because if you smoke enough weed, you'll eat food that'll make you be on the toilet in the morning. If I was high, those zero-carb beers might have tasted good. There's a lot of dudes in Eureka who look just like me. Just long hair, beard. I said on stage, uh, if Eureka had a city sound, it would be... <laughs> well, you don't believe me? You don't think I said it? Roll the tape! If this town had an official sound, it would be... <laughs> I told you I fucking said it. Never doubt me again. Pretty good shows. They were all right. They were, uh, you know, I don't know. I ran an ad. I don't know if it helped. <laughs> I made some money. Will I do this trip again? Yeah, maybe. It was like, you know, with the other stuff, it was a pretty good run. With talent and reading added in. Uh... Oh, quite hilariously to me anyway I got I didn't realize it or I would have mentioned it on stage but I I was like I mean heckling's not the right word but like people yelling interactive things with me uh that happened my first show in uh Eureka and then I realized uh the guy yelling the shit out about lesbians was uh I had talked to him earlier. Uh, he was there uh, doing the improv show before me. Look, I already had some improv prejudices. But now that I've been heckled by an improver. They take all the water at Burning Man? That's a very specific thing to say. Multiple years in a row. <laughs> we told them to stop. <laughs> I'm going to tell you to stop. <laughs> it's like a man who doesn't like lesbians. It's like, not religious reasons. No weird societal conditioning. Take my fucking water. 
Burning Man. That's what you got at a Burning Man. This shit's mine. That was your lesson. That you learned at Burning Everyone's tripping balls, like, we're the trees, we're all breathing, it's a man's breathing. You're like, if those goddamn lesbians say they to get my water, they got another fucking thing coming. Very religious fundamentalist guy. You can each hate for odd reasons. <laughs> like, Man, they're gonna burn it out. You're like, well, they're not gonna get my water down there. Imagine being in comedy and still yelling out weird shit during someone else's comedy show. But he did buy two T-shirts and a book, so he's okay. If my wife ever left me and she was like, I've met someone else. He's also a comedian, but he's much more successful than you. <laughs> but before I leave you and the children, uh, I'll take two t-shirts and a book. I'd be like, all right, we're even. heckled by an improver. Yes, and you're an asshole. That's the improv rule is you never say no. Yes, and. That's why I'm a stand-up comedian. I like saying no. Actually, good, I'm talking shit. Improv is uh, terrifying. And uh, when done well, pretty amazing. It's rarely done well. There's no rules, so no one thinks they're bad at it. You do, you do stand-up comedy for the first time, and you're like, Oh my God, no one laughed. I bombed. It was horrific. Improv is like, yes, and I had a good time. It, you know, you were in a scene. You're like, yeah, I was pretending to be a gynecologist who had to look at my grandma's vagina. A successful improv show means most of the people are still there at the end of it. I mean, those whose line is it anyway, guys? Uh, I actually worked with one of them, Greg Proops. Uh, that show, it's incredible uh, what they improv and how funny it is. And I would still, like, if someone gave me a free ticket, I'd be like, nah, I'm good. Lesbians don't share water. Is that a stereotype we can get going now? My problem with lesbians is they hoard supplies. <laughs> ah, what a weirdo. Enjoy the shirts.
Hope your sister enjoys the book I signed for her. Say hi to my wife's new boyfriend. That's who my wife will leave me for, an improv comedian. Why are you leaving me? He's just not so locked into his act. He just flows with it. I've had improv open for me before. I did uh, in Canada one time, the whole, I don't know, five shows I did or whatever in Edmonton. Pretty nice club above the bowling alley. <laughs> if you weren't doing well, you could hear the pens from downstairs. Sort of sounded like applause. But improv opened up. They were like the middle act all week. And it's weird. It's hard to follow improv. Because it's, you know, it's just a different rhythm. It's weird. So I might go back to Savage Henry. Now, if that uh, Airbnb had not been available and I had to sleep in this guy's house, I'd be like, I'm never going back to Savage Henry. But, uh, you know... If I do route another trip together to get to Northern California and go back to Eureka, <laughs> uh, Redding is not going to be part of it. One, because that routing was terrible to go all the way to Redding on a Wednesday, go back to Talon, Oregon, then back down to Eureka, especially because the 101 was closed. And so I had to take the long way. So instead of like three and a half hours, it was a four hour and 45 minute drive. Wind storms, all kinds of shit going on down here. Reading was rough. I think it's normally better, but uh, because of the, the rain and wind storms in Reading, um, it was a light turnout. And uh, also not, I mean, you know, people with their backs turned at the bar. It's There's not four walls. You, you don't think about that, but it's one of the important things for a comedy room. Four walls. This one had three and an open entrance that just led out to the casino. And so I didn't bomb, but I had to like gut out an hour and five minutes because we had to go till 9.30 and uh, Levi, my opener, did 25. Uh, and also there was, a, there was a cowboy dude there. I mean, he wasn't really. He was sort of a cul-de-sac cowboy. Good band name. Uh, as I got to know him as the show went on, he was not a cowboy. He worked at a grocery store or some shit. But, you know, had the boots, had the hat. But this this bothers me. Oh, we didn't work at a grocery His wife worked at a grocery store. He was a bouncer. That's what he said his job was. And at one point, um, he actually, I think I said to him, because uh, he kept interrupting and talking. At one point, I said, uh, sir, if you were at work right now, I'd have you kick yourself out of the show. And then um, no, no one really laughed. But, uh... There's like this uh, fake polite thing. Because if, if you're a polite person, you don't yell out shit and talk loudly 
during a comedy performance. That's not a polite thing to do. But then when I would talk to him, I'd be like, hey, what are you, blah, 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 why are you talking? How'd you meet your wife? Just trying to engage him or get him to be quiet. And he'd be like, yes, sir. Okay, sir. Like, don't sir me. Sir. If you're going to be yes, sir, polite, then shut the fuck up. This is an improv. I need an occupation. I need an occupation. Bouncer. Okay, bouncer. Uh, I need a costume. I need a costume. Cowboy. A cowboy who's a bouncer. And where is he? He's at a he's at a comedy show. Okay? Cowboy bouncer at a comedy show. Scene begins. Yes, sir. Hey, dude, are you an asshole? Yes, sir. Yes, sir, I am. <clears throat> they made a uh, the booker said, you got to go till 930. In fact, he said, I will pay. He didn't stay to watch the show, and he really missed out on some of my finest work. I might release it as an album called 65 Minutes is a Long Time. But he said, you got to go to line 30, and I will Venmo you after 9.30, your pay. I looked down way too early at my clock, at my uh, my phone, and realized they had 20 minutes left. You don't want to look down and see 20 minutes left. Look, if it's a fun show, I look down and I go, oh shit, I was supposed to leave five minutes ago. If it's a bad show, you're like, oh boy. I did two albums worth of material in that 65 minutes. But I, I was I was wrapping up, I was closing, and I looked down and it was 9.28. And I was like, damn it. And then I just said to someone with their back turned at the bar, hey, you! Like, I just... I just stalled for another two minutes and then closed. But whatever, I got a food voucher. After the show, cul-de-sac cowboy uh, runs up on stage and immediately begins trying to tell his own joke. But the sound guy uh, had cut the mic off so no one heard it. And then when the guy came over to me, cul-de-sac cowboy, he should have bought merch and then I'd like him, but he didn't. In fact, I sold one lighter <laughs> after that show, which is just so funny to bring in a giant suitcase full of like 40-something shirts and 30 books and a giant bag of lighters. I could have just carried the lighter in and sold it. Anyway, he was like, did you hear my joke up there? And I was like, no. And he's like, do you want to hear it? And guess what I said? No. If I was an improv comedian, I would have said yes and, but I'm not. So I got to say no. And he looked hurt. You don't want to hear my dumb fucking joke? And then he launched into that I could never do what you do. I want to be a comedian. I write comedy all the time, but 
oh, you have such respect for the art form that you want to make it harder? It's not enough. I'm at this rural casino on a weeknight. It's not enough half the crowd's wearing pajama bottoms. That's not enough of a challenge. It's not enough of a challenge that I had to drive across the windy mountain pass that was blowing me between lanes. It's not enough the only people at the weekday casino wearing pajama bottoms also defied the weather warnings when they were told to not leave their home and they were like, fuck it, we're still going out to the free comedy show. That's not enough of a challenge. If you respect a professional basketball player, you don't also throw a banana peel out on the court just to see how they'll deal with it. Although one time uh, when I was in high school band and we went to the University of Washington because they have like a high school band day and all these bands are there and then we all do a a big halftime show while people go to the bathroom. Uh, I don't know why. People are like throwing hot dogs, cold hot dogs into the stands. And so when we did our halftime show, I I had grabbed the hot dog off of the, the bleachers or whatever. And I dropped it on the field during our performance. And then I told everyone else, word spread throughout the band that I had dropped a hot dog out there, which is really like, what what am I trying to do? Uh, End someone's career before they can make the NFL? What am I trying to do? Make an offensive lineman lose their scholarship? Uh, But so they started the second half, but then before they did, the refs blew the whistle, ran over threw the hot dog off the field that I had dropped on it and the whole Capitol High School marching band cheered like we had won the game. I didn't realize, uh, I I got a hotel room at the hotel. I didn't realize uh, it was one hotel room, two beds, one cup. No, <laughs> uh, two. So Levi had to stay with me, uh, which I don't like. I don't. I don't like that at all. But we had a very funny slash awkward moment because uh, I was exhausted. I'd driven nine or ten hours. Uh, I was drifting off to sleep. And uh, the hotel room next to us, the sounds of lovemaking came through the wall. Maybe I shouldn't have said came through the wall, but you could hear it through the wall. Kind of weird sounds of lovemaking, too. Like, and In fact, the next morning, Levi, Levi and I were like CSI detectives, and we were like trying to recreate the sounds because we're like, were they on the... Were they on the desk? Because it was this weird banging sound that did not sound like a bed. And then I realized the like the headboard behind the bed was actually like steel. It was like this steel plate on the wall that when you banged the bed made the sound. It was like the designers of the hotel were like, if anyone has sex, 
We want several rooms around it to also be able to participate in the joyous occasion. It was also very weird lovemaking. It was like, you know, bed banging for 30 seconds, then nothing for, I don't know, another 30 seconds, bed bangs for five seconds, nothing. Once we just heard a single bang, there was a woman's voice, not a voice, but like some womanly sounds. She seemed to be making more sounds when the banging wasn't happening. That's a dude for you. Keep pounding away, asshole. I know how to make this happen. Uh, but we were just laughing because it's just like, you know, two men in their 40s listening to other people have sex. <laughs> no, we, we shared a hotel room and it was a very awkward moment for two men in their 40s because the hotel next to us, people started having sex very loudly. And Levi were just in our beds like, okay. I know what I'd be doing if you weren't here. But uh, let's not make this a force. You know what I mean? Also, very weird pattern to this sex next door. I don't know what was that. It was like 30 seconds of aggressiveness, 20 second pause, two pumps, 30 seconds off, another minute. I don't know. It was like the dude's battery was dying over there. I don't know. <laughs> Lima and I, we were gonna yell encouraging things to him like, keep it, keep at it, you can do it! Finish strong! I don't think I've been back to Redding, California uh, since my band drove through in the 90s. I think I told this story before. It's in my book, Happiness Isn't Funny, True Stories of a Road Comic. Available on Amazon. For five grand, I'll read you the whole thing over the phone. Actually, for fifteen hundred. Five, five hundred. For two shirts and a book, I'll read them to you. Uh, my band, we uh, were driving through Redding, California, in our shitty van. Gas was minus 15 cents a gallon. The gas station used to pay you back then. They'd be like, we have so much gas, it'd be a great favor to us if you would take this with you. Gas was probably a dollar fifty. No, maybe less. We had a Nokia, not smartphone. We were ready for the road. We had Randall McNally maps. had phone numbers scrawled down on paper. We were ready to travel. We were driving through Redding, California. We stopped at a Taco Bell. Uh, Taco Bell's still the same prices, by the way, as they were in the 90s. They are very consistent. They just keep putting less actual meat in the product, and they maintain the same pricing. When we were in the drive-thru, a, uh, I mean, a pretty, uh, I would say a pretty effeminate gentleman was chatting us up, uh, an employee of the Taco Bell, 
was chatting us up in the drive-thru, leaning the head out the window. What are you guys doing? What are you coming through? Blah, blah, blah. You know, gave us our food. We go, uh, we just park in the parking lot. We're eating our Taco Bell. Uh, and then much to our surprise, uh, the young man, well, he's probably older than us, but still a young man. He came out to our van. He walked out to the van where we were. We hand rolled down the windows. And he was like, you know, I've been staying at the YMCA praying to God that I can change my lifestyle and find a good woman to fall in love with. And wouldn't you know it, tonight a busload of fags came rolling through. We didn't even correct him. We didn't even say like, oh, we actually all have girlfriends. We were just like, yeah, life is funny like that. goes gay when you least expect it. That tour uh, was known as the Busload of Fags Tour. And uh, I'm sorry to use the hard F word like that, but uh, you know, I'm quoting. I think about that guy a lot. Nah. <laughs> I miss him. No, I... Whenever I think of that story, I just, it kind of, it makes me sad that it's like, you know, you're praying to God to make you straight when God made you gay. I mean, I'm not like a God guy, but I mean, you're staying at the YMCA working the 24-hour shift at Taco Bell. You should be praying to God about something besides your sexuality. Like, Getting to work day shift should be your first prayer. Anyway, one of those band members is dead, and I hope that guy is happily gay somewhere. Talent Oregon was really fun, though. That was a fun night. <clears throat> I did a. Uh, 70 minutes that night and it felt like 40 so a much different vibe I like that club the Talent Club in Talent, Oregon uh, that's another reason I might do this little uh, trip again is because I could work the Talent Club again it's such a good time I went there uh, I went to the Talent Club in July of 2020 and it was such a weird time, if you recall. Uh, like, I had the show scheduled, and we had never officially canceled, so I, like, I called Levi, who books me there. And uh, he's like, yeah, let's still do it. So we did. I drove down there. I think we did two shows, maybe. Uh, but it's, sometimes you look back at 2020, and I, I, I have to look back at 2020 a bit more than I even want to, because uh, whenever I look at my book that hasn't come out yet, uh, it was written in 2020, and you forget exactly 
the feelings. You know, it, it's... Now that we've all had COVID, it seems a little sillier to be like really scared of it. But in July 2020, like, you know, I was trying to wear a mask. Uh, people would like shake my hand and want to talk to me and I would, but I would also be like, I felt very, oh, that's probably not a good idea. I'm, I'm being stupid. I'm not, you know. So it's all, it's a little embarrassing now where you're like, oh, I was so scared, but it's like, we, yeah, we were all scared. Well, not small town alcoholics. They got over their fears very quickly, but I didn't know if I should be there. The club didn't know that they should be doing a show. You know, they tried to kind of distance people at their seats, but that, yo, that's fucking, that was preposterous. So many of those silly, I'm not saying wearing a mask doesn't help somewhat. I have no idea, really. Uh, I know a lot of people got it and wore a mask anyway, so that's my anecdotal uh, evidence. But, like, that idea of, like, we'll be open, but the tables will be far apart, and then if there's food, you wear your mask to the bathroom, but then when you get back, you take it off to eat. These are preposterous rules. These are ridiculous that didn't do anything. But, yeah, I remember uh, I remember being there and feeling very weird about the whole thing. Also kind of excited, like, okay, I'm doing a comedy show. The time on stage was like, fuck, this is great. This is what I miss doing all the time. They also had, uh, there was like a fire on the freeways. So, like, I was driving from... Medford, Oregon to talent like through a freeway fire to do this show during a pandemic. It did the whole thing felt apocalyptic. I also I, I, I remember I was going to do a show at Laughs Comedy Club in Seattle uh, later that week. I did a I did a, a newspaper interview about the show. The, the reporter, the writer, asked me if the show <laughs> was even legal. And I said, I don't know. I think so. He ended up, that reporter ended up calling like a Washington State uh, health official asking if it was legal. And their answer was like, I don't think it is. And so my dumb article ended up getting the show canceled, basically. Several months after, uh, I think it was the same same year, or maybe... Whoa. I just passed, like, a... A herd of ducks? <laughs> a waddle of ducks? A flock of ducks? Is it a flock of ducks? I feel like flocks only when you fly. Anyway, a uh, shitload of ducks. I just drove past a shitload of ducks. Just hanging out by the side of the road. Pandemic's over, fellas. Get back out there.
Boy, that brings back a memory of uh, my dad driving us to a soccer practice. He was the coach. This is back in South Bend, Washington. We came around a corner. There was a, a web of ducks, a group of ducks. A unit. There was like a shitload of ducks in the middle of the road. And we came around the corner and my dad... I mean, we hit him, and he and like a bunch of them died. And then I remember my dad sort of dragged them to the side of the road, and then like went to the house we were next to to like tell them we killed their ducks, but they weren't home. Man, we ate so much duck after that. What was I talking about before the bevy of ducks distracted me? Oh, yeah, talent. So that same year in 2020, like towards the fall, uh, there was like a horrific wildfire in the area. And I mean, half of Talent, Oregon burned down and then like Phoenix, Oregon, which is just two miles away. It's the same spot, basically. Uh... Even even more of Phoenix burned down. So I remember, you know, six months after I did that show, or what, less than six months after I did that show, I remember I watched uh, a video on Facebook from the Talent Club that was like, that, you know, they just showed, it was, you know, phone video of the whole just burnt house after burnt building, still smoldering, and then the, then the camera pins turns all the way around and uh, it shows the talent club still standing. So like one side of the street was totally destroyed by fire and then uh, talent club was still standing so sorry, no insurance money for them. <laughs> and in fact I, uh, I went back a different time and it was like you could still smell it. It was still like uh a lot of burned down things they hadn't repaired yet. This time you couldn't even tell. Uh, everything's built back. It's it's crazy, man. Life just keeps moving, man. I don't know if it's the eureka getting to me, but life like it's just gonna happen whether you want it to or not, man. <laughs> More like weed B and B. I'm teasing stoners. I love you. You're good people. My daughter Maisie, uh, actually. Maisie Cakes. <laughs> That's, well, now nah, she tells people. I was going to be like, maybe I shouldn't say that. That's her nickname in the family, Maisie Cakes. I don't know why. I told that to my wife before she was born. She was going to be named Maisie. I'm like, I already got the nickname, Maisie Cakes. I don't know why. I mean, my son's name's Johnny. He should be Johnny Cakes. He's not. Although, if you watch The Sopranos, Johnny Cakes is kind of a gay reference, but whatever. I used to be in a busload of gay people. I, I don't care about that. Maisie Cake. Maisie Cakes and uh, my daughter Olive, her nickname, uh, Little O. 
Of course, you guys know where Little O comes from. Former Seattle Mariner shortstop Omar Vizquel. That was his nickname, Little O. So that's why I call her Little O. Because uh, my daughter is also an amazing shortstop and kind of an underrated hitter. My son Johnny, I don't... I mean, we called him Johnny G because his middle name is Gabriel, but I don't... Johnny's already kind of nicknamey, you know? And actually, this is going kind of too deep into my family. But uh, my daughters, old uh, Little O and Maisie Cakes, they are so goddamn weird. They're... First of all, they could not be closer. They are like... I mean, sure, the pandemic was terrible, but I think because of that, because of all the time together, they, I mean, couldn't be closer. To the point where it's like, you know, my daughter's, one of them's a freshman, one of them's a sixth grader, but the freshman, obviously, she's got some time, but to the point where we're like, How's she going to go to college and leave her sister? I don't, I've not seen two people on the goddamn planet closer than these two. And as a parent, that's really all you want. It makes you so happy. Uh, but they are so weird and they've like, they got these whole fake characters that they pretend they are. And then we just go along with it. So this is, I mean, this is like weird to talk about, but like we call Olive Bob and we call Maisie Jiffy. Bob and Jiffy, my wife and I do it. Like, oh, do we need to wake Bob up? What times Jiffy get home from play practice? And it's these, these like alter egos they made up with crazy backstory, like, they were born in the same hospital and they reconnected later in rehab because they were both alcoholics. They have these totally in-depth backstories about Bob and Jiffy and that's all they call each other. My family's so goddamn weird in mostly a good way. Like, oh, is your... Is your daughter trans? No, I think she's schizophrenic. She identifies as a separate person named Bob. They can't even, if there's like two hours in the day where one of them's somewhere else, the other one's just like, when's Bob come home? When's Jiffy come home? It's like they're twins, three years apart. Anyway, my point is Jiffy got COVID uh, over the Christmas break. Because why not? The whole family had the flu. <laughs> it was terrible. It lasted for a month. Bob got thrush. A sinus infection. Jiffy had pink eye. My wife cracked a rib from coughing so hard. And then it was finally like, okay, we're finally all getting better. And uh, we were like, oh, I think uh, <laughs> I think Jiffy's getting a cold. 
And like almost just for funsies, we tested her. COVID positive. And then it's like, ah, oh, fuck, are we canceling Christmas? What's going on? But here's what's, I mean, she was better in a day and a half. A little bit of congestion. That's it. So by, I mean, I think we tested her and Christmas was like six, seven days later. By that time, she was already testing negative. I really, I mean, the positive about knowing she was COVID pot. Ooh, I'm in a tunnel right now. Maybe my acoustics are better. Should I honk my horn? I haven't honked my horn yet. Yeah, fuck yeah. No one's gonna get out of the way of that Kia Rio horn. What the hell? I want a horn that's like, get out of the way! That horn's like, excuse me. I hate to be a bother. That's a horn that apologizes. Oh, my bad. You were right. Bleep. So it's kind of nice to like, uh, you know, we know uh, whatever. She's like got some immunities now because she had it. But I really, now that it's all, it's the second time she had COVID. She had it 10 months ago also when we all did. No one else in the family got it. I don't know how Bob didn't get it. They share the same lungs. But I kind of wish we hadn't tested. Because what did, what did it do? It just gave us like extra stress. And extra worry of like, uh-oh, are we going to be able to do Christmas and blah, 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 and, you know. If we thought it was a cold, we honestly would have thought it was a very mild cold or a quick one. But it wasn't. It was COVID. And I know there's like some long-term concerns of getting COVID and things can happen. But like, I don't know. That's what uh, my wife and I both said when it was over. Like, I wish we had never tested. Because we're not in that era anymore where it's like, you've been exposed to a person who had COVID, so you should also self-isolate. Like, that, you know, those times are uh, no longer here. And if it is just a cold... Or the flu. For the most part. I'm not saying, you know, obviously more people are still dying from COVID than are dying from the flu. Or, you know, I'm not saying it's nothing. I'm not like. But if you get it, nothing bad happens and you get better. At what point do we start treating it like it is the flu? At what point do we just go. Uh, Because we don't test for the flu. I mean, if you're sick enough that you go in, they usually give you a test and they can tell you if you have the flu or not. But most of the times, I don't think I've ever been tested for the flu. I just had the flu and I decided it was the flu because it wasn't COVID and two family members tested positive for it. So I'm like, I must have the flu. Maybe it turned into some sort of R-S-V. 
RV? R... Is it a quagmire of ducks? A quack. It's a quack of ducks. Quack. RSV? I don't know. Some respiratory thing that also was going around. Maybe we all got that. And that's why it uh, lasted so long. But we don't, my point is, it's like, you have a really bad cold or you have the flu, you know, you don't call into work and go like, I just tested positive for the flu, uh, so, you know, I have to wait five days or whatever, I'll, te- well, I'll come back when I test negative, you just go, you know, I feel like shit. so I can't go to work. I don't know. I don't know at what point it just becomes that. I mean, I'll be honest. If I... When I had COVID... Uh, first of all, I think I had COVID before it was cool. I was on their first album. Back when COVID was all indie rock before they sold out and got all corporate. Before Pfizer got involved. Uh... I think I had it in 2020, but the time I officially know I had COVID, like 10 months ago, I was very ill. So I was not in a position that I would have done anything. But like, if I was as sick as Maisie was, I'm sorry, Jiffy, and I had a show scheduled, I think I'm doing the show. I'd probably wear a mask. I might try to isolate a little more. I mean, I did shows when I had the flu. I mean, not the day of. I mean, I could maybe talk myself into I might not be contagious anymore because there have been enough days, but I don't fucking know that. That's the other thing. We never talked about that. We were never like, if you have the flu, you need a five-day period. You need to not go to work for ten days. We have no idea about those things. And the hilarious thing is, like, now that it's all over, like, uh, Jiffy is very... Because she has another play coming up. Shakespeare... some type uh, she's like oh and that's great I had COVID so now I won't get COVID during the play it's like getting a chore out of the way I have a nickname too uh, in the family My nickname is Dadu. I believe it's spelled D-A-D-U. Or maybe it's D-A-D-O-O. Nobody do the Dadu like you do. Dadu. And the reason... I gotta slow down. He's like... He's 101 towns, man. It's like 55 miles an hour down to 25. And you know the main source of revenue for this town is the gas station and speeding tickets. 
Anyway, uh, my daughter started calling, they were calling me doo-doo. And I was like, guys, uh, and I can call them guys because, you know, Bob and Jeff are your boys. Uh, please, I do not want a pooped-themed nickname. Don't call me doo-doo. So uh, the compromise was Dadu, and uh, there you go. It's funny how those nicknames work. My wife, uh, she, uh, when my niece was a very, very young, my niece is now like 28, but uh, when she was very, very young, uh, when she would try to say Christy, that's my wife's name, Christy, uh, it came out like tree tree Christy tree tree I don't know why tree tree and so the whole family started calling my wife tree tree and they still do sometimes which is a preposterous thing to call a person but you can't force a nickname you know I was in elementary school. I wanted a nickname. So I started trying to get people to call me. Ooh, that's a nice rainbow. That's a full rainbow. A reminder of God's promise that gas will be cheaper once you get on I-5. I was in grade school. I, I started getting people to call me Gabby. That's going to be my nickname. Not Gabe, not Gabriel. Gabby. And, uh... I regretted it because it was uh, much more feminine than I was anticipating. So I immediately, even though I wanted people to call me Gabby, I was like, stop calling me Gabby. Like, it was their fucking idea. But when I graduated from that elementary school... I was voted most likely to host a podcast in his car. So, they knew I was destined for greatness. I think we'll call that a podcast. Oh, maybe this will be fixed by the time uh, uh, this comes out, but it's been brought to my attention that uh, my last episode uh, is not available on Stitcher. I don't know why. I'm looking into it. Tried to like fix the feed or whatever, and it was, kept saying error. I don't know what's going on, so I'm trying to get it back on Stitcher. And according to my uh, analytics, three percent of you listen to this podcast on Stitcher. So uh, I'm sorry. I'm working on it. Hopefully, you've listened somewhere else. If you got the email, I don't know. I'm not only the host; I'm also tech support here on the drive home with Gabriel Rutledge. So uh, I'm doing my best to get that figured out. Goodbye.